so you moved out of Canada, right? Like now you're permanently in LA or what's the story there? Oh, I don't know about permanently. Um, basically, I'm I'm figuring it out. I'm like testing different cities just to kind of get a vibe for it and seeing how how I like being in different places. Because ever since I was like 21, I've always been like, I don't want to live in Montreal my whole life. Like I had mm -hmm. thought about Vancouver. I had thought of different cities, but I never ended up having the opportunity to leave Montreal for more than two weeks, like growing, having my business and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so now that I decided everything is remote, um, I get to kind of go wherever I want. And, uh, and now I just happen to be in LA. It just kind of worked out because I knew people here. Um, but it's, it's interesting because I feel like in the States culture, people move around to different States all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, like it seems very common. And in Quebec, it's been really hard to find like expanders or people to look to who have done this like you don't you don't see that that often like most people maybe they'll go away for a semester but they they end up coming back or they'll just move to Toronto kind of thing so uh so it's been interesting yeah and so how do you like wait so do you have any interest like in going back to Canada or you think you'll be like in the states for a while I'd love to find an opportunity to stay in the states for sure okay. I feel like in terms of projects and like the scale of what I would like to work on I think it's more likely to happen in the states so I, mm -hmm. I'd really be excited about that but honestly I'm I'm open I'm kind of like looking at where different things take me like in, in August I ended up going to Austin for two weeks um, then I ended up going to Tulu Mexico for two months so it was really kind of based wow. on different you know things calling me um mm -hmm. so i mean right as of right now i could stay here for two months like i could stay longer we'll see we'll kind of see what what happens like technically you know i'm telling myself because basically i rented out my place for a year which okay. means i have no home to go so that kind of had to like settle in so yeah i'm telling myself okay my place rented out january 1st so that's when it starts you know so even mm -hmm. if i've been here for two and a half weeks now i'm like that doesn't count i've only been here for three days like i mm -hmm. i have to give myself the time to to figure it out it's really different being somewhere like I've, i've came to la before for just like four days okay. where like every day i had like friends i was going for lunch with had like all these plans done i think that it's really different when you're like sticking around because you're you have to kind of redo like all your friend circles and mm. kind of figure out like what you're into and it's been interesting but it's it's, it's cool to be somewhere new I'm, i'm really grateful but back home it's it's a different scene right now yeah yeah i can imagine Um, but like you, you seem to be very nomadic. Like you've always done a lot of traveling, right? Or have you pretty much been based in like Canada or Quebec? For I've always been comfortable with traveling. I'd okay. say that I used to kind of like travel where my friends would want to go. Mm -hmm. And at one point it hit in my head. Like I had like two or three trips that at the end I was like, I, it, it could be weird things it could be like straight up like I didn't like how my friends were on vacation I didn't like how they treated people like it could be like very like wow. specific things that made me like oh shit um or it could be just like friends would be scared of going to certain places so mm. I would end up going to Miami all the time and then at one point I'm like I want to see the world you know yeah, yeah um so so I just decided like no moving forward like I'm traveling by myself unless someone wants to kind of join me on the trip But mm -hmm. I also find like traveling solo, I just end up, I meet so many people. It just creates a whole new experience. And it might be selfish because it's really like, I do the stuff I feel like doing. Therefore, it kind of makes me meet all these different peoples and the things that I like, whoops, doing, sorry, instead sorry. of, um, my phone fell for a second, um, instead of, uh, of just doing whatever my friends feel like doing. Because I would go to Miami and we'd legit just lay on the beach for eight days where, my personality, like I would want to go see museums. I want to go mm. to comedy shows and I would want to. So, um, so yeah, so I've been, I've always been comfortable with traveling. I just don't feel like I've traveled half as much as I, I would like. So okay. here we go. That's interesting. Like just, I would imagine that you just always travel, especially even how you talk about transitioning over to LA and to the States that you seem very nomadic. And I'm like, I can imagine that you've already seen the world already, but Maybe not. <laughs> not, not as, not much, not as much. much as you would like. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to travel with brands, which was okay. super cool and expensive because that was like, you're traveling alone, but you have a plan, right? So it's yeah, like, yeah. you're only alone for a couple of days in Toronto or in Baltimore. And then 
you know, you just follow whatever they want you to do. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. Got it. All right. I'm going to knock out this intro. Okay. Um, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Stay for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, as you already heard, Nomad, uh, digital, digital Nomad, marketing specialist, athlete, ambassador, Ariane Tonka. That's right. Cool. That's good. Hello. That's good That's, that was great. I could, cool. I could tell you're like, hey, the name is coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't want to, you know what, just for, just so everyone hears it. How do you say, how do you say your name properly? If I say it in French, I say Ariane. Mm-hmm. But if I say it in English, I'll say Ariane. And but honestly, uh, I, my full name, uh, Ariane Tessitsvo, yep. which is, yeah. See, so, I, there's no way. I, I would butcher that so bad. That's why I'm it's not, funny I would never. I went to university in English and like, I've had guys like call me Adria, Adriana for two years. And I was like, yeah, it's cool, man. Whatever. Whatever wow. makes like, the conversation easier for you. Yeah. you know? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, Max? You know? <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. So favorite place you've traveled, where is it and why? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, that's tricky. I feel like I fall in love with every place I go. Um, I want to say, I want to say New Orleans. Like I, I visited oh, New cool. Orleans to, to go catch the Saints. It was a trip that I took with NFL Canada, actually. Mm-hmm. And I have to say the vibe of the city, the culture, the food, um the architecture like I just completely I was overwhelmed by how beautiful and like I didn't expect it to be that way so uh, Mm -hmm. I think as of right now it's one of my favorite places like it's less of the tropical vibe you know but Mm -hmm. I I I mean it it just in terms of a city to go visit I think it's a you must visit New Orleans Mm -hmm. it's beautiful yeah I mean, you're talking, I grew up in Texas. So like Louisiana right. is right there. I've been in, yeah, I've been in New Orleans a couple of times. Fun. It's a fun city. It's really cool. It's so interesting that you talk about the Saints too. So you're a football fan and you're specifically a Saints fan. I'm, I'm a sports fan in general. Sports like fan. I have to say, like, I, I just love like watching team sports, watching people, you know, accomplish incredible things. Like it's just so impressive to me. Uh, but being a Canadian, you don't really have, you know, an attachment to some team, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, Kansas city, when Laurence Bernier Tardif was on the team, but now he's moved on to the jets, you know, I can't really uh, mm-hmm. follow. Um, and I don't know. It was funny. Cause like when I started working with the NFL, they wanted me to pick a team and I kind of started reading different stories and I was really driven uh, by the saints. And then as I kept cheering them on, I just like, started liking them more and more they're kind of like the underdog and uh they always have these like amazing stories so yeah underdog i don't know drew Brees was was a was a he's all-time all-time quarterback um for sure but they're always like close to getting there and then they never uh, do you know what i mean like you're you're gonna disappoint a lot of saints fans with that statement saying that (laughs) wow that's so funny um so okay so Walk me through your athletic background. I mean, yeah, like where where did you start in athletics and and sports? Well, just to give you an idea, um, my parents are super sports oriented. So they actually met when my mom was training for marathons and my dad was a trainer in a sports facility in Montreal. And um, like, that's how they met. So that was always a big part of like, I'm the eldest of three. Mm -hmm. So even when I was born, like my parents would like, go biking for four days and kind of have me there in the back. And, and that was just always a big part of our family hobbies was always like skiing, snowboarding, uh, in cycling, like it was just a really, really big part of our lives. And as we got into, um, high school, it was so funny because my dad forced me to be on every sports teams. Like he was so worried that I would be like hanging out at the mall or like, Mm. like he, he didn't like the idea of after school free time, I guess. Um, so I was on the touch football team, on the soccer team, the basketball team, wow. and I had to be on the badminton team. I didn't want to be on the badminton team because badminton wasn't cool. Um, and then I told the teacher I didn't want to do it. And then he called my dad and then I had to be in the team. <laughs> but in the end, I loved it. Badminton's awesome. Like, it's really fun. Uh, so in the end, I loved it. Um, and then after when I followed through to university, I decided... Um, to join the soccer team uh, in university. So I played for a while. So all my athletic 
was around playing sports, like for the longest time. I would never like train by myself. Um, and even in university, like you're training so much that nutrition completely like, like I didn't even pay attention. Like I could eat like two trios at McDonald's. Like it was just like, I was just starving, exhausted. You know what I mean? Like you're mm -hmm. always moving. You don't even think about that stuff. I'm sure being football players kind of the same thing. You're just oh, like, yeah. I was eating like after the bar every Friday, Saturday, all this crappy food, you know? So mm -hmm. then when I finally graduate and then you get into adult life and you're just like, oh, wait, like now how do I stay in shape? Like how I would like, you yeah. tell me, take a class at the gym. I'd be like, that's for old ladies. Like, that's not, you know, that's not something yeah. I would ever do. Like I'm an athlete. And um, so I, I ended up getting as a client, this gym called Amen Zone, which was, basically like a hit training gym okay. where you um only use tires so it was kind oh, of wow. the idea of like going back to basics of being able to train with nothing you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which like this is maybe almost like seven years ago now or something which like now i feel like it's like super popular like people know that they can do kind all kinds of workouts without equipment mm -hmm. but before you'd only see people actually going to a, a gym um yeah. So I started taking the class and I thought it was so cool and interesting and different from anything I've well, ever done was before. It, was it a lot like, yeah. like CrossFit, like CrossFit workouts or a little bit more centralized around like tires and plyometrics and things like that? Yeah, I would say more, more, not really CrossFit. Um, sure. You'd use like the tires as weights and whatnot, but it wasn't with the purpose of like lifting heavy okay. weights. It was just mm -hmm. like, uh, one thing that I thought was missing from that was cardio like in my head I still I like the idea of including some type of cardio like we obviously mm -hmm. you sweat a lot from doing burpees and that kind of stuff um, but it was mostly like body weight and 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 the tires and functional training I guess and mm -hmm. then I started sharing what I was learning there on social media so so that was kind of I've always posted on Instagram like the behind the scenes of me building my business but then I kind of incorporated that because I was like oh that's interesting and I noticed a lot of my friends from university or back from school like are finding it hard to get in shape if they have no interest in running or mm. anything like that mm -hmm. so I started sharing a lot about that um, on my social media and then that's where I started getting approached by different brands to start posting about fitness and then I somehow became like a fitness influencer through through all of this and then I mean now in the last seven years like I just love sports I'm so curious so I've like mm -hmm. I, I'll do spinning I'll do I love running because it's just like my go-to like okay I need to work out I could just go outside and just do it mm -hmm. I don't have to sign up to anything I don't have to pay I could just do it mm -hmm. so it's kind of always like my go-to um, and I always find to me, that's what works the best in terms of like staying in shape. So running, cycling, then I got into tennis. Uh, I just like to play around with all kinds of stuff, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yoga that, as well. Yeah. Sounds like you're an all-inclusive, well-rounded athlete, which I think is great. Um, all right. So before that's interesting. I didn't know that you started to share your journey with, with your business, with starting your business prior to like sharing your fitness journey. So I want to dive into that mm -hmm. next. But what I want to dive more into is you as a soccer player. Like what did you play as a soccer or even your history into sports sounds like you played pretty much everything. Soccer might have been a preference if you went on to play at your university. Did you always like you wanted to pursue soccer any other sports you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I mean it, it's funny cuz like I sure I'm a, like well-rounded athlete, but I'm the kind of person like I touch on so many things that I won't be I won't become like professionally, like really good at one of those things, okay, I guess. So okay. I played soccer. I played as a forward, but I think growing up, my speed was my skill. Like okay. basketball, I wouldn't, I wasn't good at basketball. I was just fast. So I, I could, like, it was kind of always, that was my thing mm -hmm. that I could do. Mm -hmm. I could just like pass the defense and it's like, then I'm, I'm there. And then soccer kind of became the one I pursued for the longest so it's funny, actually, because I wasn't going to pursue. I, I, it's interesting because I, when I was listening to your other episodes, I feel like it's very common, again, in the States for people to pursue uh, college, university based on the sports that they were doing mm. uh, growing up. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like in Canada, like so many, so little people end up making it a career. You know, it's so mm -hmm. rare that most people kind of just it's a hobby. They don't take it seriously as something they, they'll pursue. Mm -hmm. And uh 
actually I was in university my first year I didn't play any sports in my head there was like not a chance that I could be on the team and then my second year I was like one of the only girls who would like uh, hang out at the gym or whatever and then I met the coach and then I told him how I, I've been playing for a long time and this and that and uh, he got me go to training camp and then I got on the team but like I have to admit like out of eight universities our university was the worst like so it was <laughs> you know they, they would say win or lose we still booze you know that was wow. the, that was that the vibe. so I have to say it was very very hard on the ego so at one point like I was doing it almost just for the training because the games were so brutal so I wouldn't mm. say that like soccer was definitely you know something that I was that good at because I probably would have gotten recruited by a different university okay. but no networking wise it's been really interesting for me how sports has been the biggest part of me getting to meet people uh getting introduced to people like over the last few years I've played so many uh charity tournaments with um the Montreal Impact or uh, what do they have a new name now uh, uh the Montreal MLS soccer team where you know, I get to actually play with the, the players and stuff. And, and I get to do all this stuff because they'll think about me because I'm kind of the girl who's into all these sports, you know. So it's, it's been very uh, good for me career-wise to, to be into all that stuff. <laughs> uh, when, what you say, win, lose, or, but always booze? <laughs> yeah, that was, so that was the vibe. They were very, it was all about like the initiation, not so much about okay. getting good at soccer, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, so... Okay, so I want to dive into post post university, post college, into sports, fitness, athletics, but I want to pivot for a second. Let's talk about starting your business. So walk me through that process of starting your own business, um, sharing it on on Instagram and social, um, and yeah, how how did that go? Like, just walk me through that process. Yeah, well, I mean, I studied business marketing, and in my head, business marketing meant advertising. I didn't really, you know, you, you go in school and it's so broad that you don't realize that there's millions of marketing jobs and it really doesn't mean what you think it's going to mean. Yep. And uh, when I got on the job market, it wasn't like it is now where everyone's recruiting like crazy and needs staff. Like it was really, 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 really hard to get an advertising job. Like unless your dad had a company that was a client mm. of the agency or something like that, like you didn't stand a chance. And uh, And that kind of like, struck me I was like whoa like and I've just I've always had really cool side jobs like I was a brand ambassador for Monster Energy for two years like where I would like drive the big truck and then okay. go to all these cool events all the time then I worked um for um the Rogers Cup so I was always like doing really fun exciting jobs and my next job was always kind of better than the last right mm. and then I would I would bartend through school as well so then you finally graduate and you're like, okay, this is what I've worked so hard for. Like, so I can finally get my dream job. And then I'm trying to get advertising jobs and it's impossible. Like I'm sending my resume. I'm not hearing back at all. I want to ask why the, why is it so difficult or was it so difficult? Maybe is still to get an advertising job in Canada. You think it was based on like the, the market for, I'll give you an example. So you're, you're talking to the marketing major. Also, I'm a business guy, mm -hmm. like performance marketing, you name it. So advertising, right? You categorize it as advertising. It was very difficult to get an advertising job in Texas because the market in Texas is centered around oil and gas. So unless you, like you put it perfectly, unless you knew someone at the agency or on the business side, or you had connections, it's very, very difficult to get an advertising job in Texas because the only place you could really do it is maybe Austin. And that like post, post or graduating, that was a difficult for, thing for me is because I was based in Texas. The majority of jobs are centered around oil and gas. That, that is what's, what made it difficult to get a job in business or marketing or advertising. So what do you think was the difficult part in getting an advertising job where you were based? Well, I, and I'm curious, like, is that like that till this day? Because I feel like now it's completely changed. Like for obviously Austin, there's tons of marketing jobs. Mm -hmm. Like I think at the time it was just such a glamorous space to be in, first of all, like it was very like mad okay. men vibes and like, <laughs> like, you know, like the, you really had to suck up to like the main people and whatnot so it was a mm. very niche but I think that social media definitely opened up so many opportunities for the younger people who are super comfortable with social media and turnaround and copywriting and like more uh, 
diverse in terms of skill set. So now I think it's a completely different thing versus at the time, the jobs are like copywriting, um, creative director, like for TV commercials, there was no jobs for Facebook, you know, uh, posts or anything like that. So I think yeah. that's what, because Montreal is known for advertising. It's not so much that there isn't opportunity. It's just that like everybody wants to work there. So, mm -hmm. so that was more of the challenge at the time. And I ended up, because I was sending all my resumes online, I ended up telling my dad, okay, just drive me to every agency and I'm just going to like give my wow. resume to people. Like I was so discouraged. I was like, this is my last shot. Like I, it, I took me, I was like six months out of university. Like in my head, it wasn't going to go this way. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to this one place and they're like, no, this isn't how it works. Uh, like I went to Cossette, I went to Sydney, I went everywhere. And um And the girl's like, no, this isn't how it works. I'm like, just put it in the recycling. Like, I'm not leaving with it. I don't care. And um, it ended up on the desk of someone. And so I got a job in this large, they're a large advertising agency. I was there for a year, but I got a job as a coordinator, which was okay. like the least creative job. The le like, no one cares about your opinion. Like, it was so, so hard on my ego after mm. having been such a hustler my whole life. Like, mm. when you're bartending, when you're, you're, you're working for yourself, like, you know, so you you sell yourself, you're doing your own thing. So mm -hmm. it's funny when I tell the story, because it's like, I got this advertising job. At the time I was working at the bar, I like quit. I'm like, later guys, like I have a career now, you know? Yeah. And then I realized I'm making no money. Like I, I was making a thousand bucks a night working at the bar. Now mm -hmm. I'm making 28,000, like it was ridiculous. Mm, like, yeah. like at the advertising job. So like two months later, I like text my boss. I'm like, can I keep working Sundays? <laughs> like, I'm wow, like yeah. uh, you know, I was like, this isn't going to work. So not only on my day to day, I wasn't like passionate. Like so many days I felt like I was just like, you know, filling a seat. Like I was spending time on Facebook, filling Excel documents. It was just not exciting. And I, when I would speak to the creative directors and the art directors, which seemed to be in the most creative position, they were like mm -hmm. 55 year old. They were nice guys, but they were just like, honestly, it's going to take you 20 years to, to start doing something you want in this business. And I would talk to other people who had been there for 10 years and it took 10 years for them to stop being a coordinator to being a copywriter. So it just felt like I, I, I was really depressed at the time. And basically at the bar I'm working at, um, I asked the boss if I can start doing their social media and Instagram and Facebook to drive more people on Sunday nights. And the boss is like, I don't care, do whatever, you know, whatever yeah. you think is going to work. It, it, at the time they weren't like no this is the voice of my business like he did not care like what I did with it mm -hmm. but obviously he trusted me that I wouldn't do anything too crazy um so what I started doing is I, I would post on social media like all kinds of very like fun content but I'd also like target people who were at sporting events or things around the bar mm -hmm. to kind of like show them hey we're open this and that and it would legit like you would see people coming from the football game still wearing the gear like I was like oh I'm on to something you know yeah. yeah um and it was just like I'm like I'm spending a lot of time on this app so was everybody else so I started doing that for the bar um and then all these other restaurants and businesses in Montreal would ask who's doing it and then I, then they started asking me to do it which is when my partner and I were like There's, we're onto something here. So in Montreal, we were the first social media agency, like to call ourselves nice. strictly social media. Mm -hmm. So that's what we were doing. At the time, it was still like, like you have to think like the nightlife, like going from, remember how many flyers clubs used to make and like pay oh, designers yeah. for flyers. So kind of like transition towards yeah. social media. Yeah. Um, and uh, it kind of worked that way until like, you know, within the last 10 years, we started from local bars and restaurants to doing national brands to doing international and then um six years ago we launched 66 agency which is an influencer marketing agency because we saw a need for a middleman in that industry as well so it kind of just kind of snowballed from there and um like i said throughout i was just kind of posting on instagram like this is what we're doing today this is behind the scenes it was kind of like i have no idea what i'm doing but like <laughs> here here it is yeah and i had yeah. a lot of like especially having worked in an agency, like my business partner mm. had it. I had a lot mm. of imposter syndrome and I was like, well, that's not how people do graphic design. Like you need to study, you need to like, yeah. and then I, I had to teach myself that I can learn anything I want. It has nothing to do with what I studied in school, but it was, mm -hmm. it was like a learning curve. Cause I was, I was like, we're not a real agency, you know, uh, yeah, until yeah. the point where I was like, well, we have real clients. We're making real money. We must be doing something real, you know?
That's wild. Ah, uh, man, you know what? There are so many parallel things to that story that is so is relatable to my upbringing. Like, I'll start, I mean, I'll start from the from the beginning. Like the whole waiter bartender scene. That's how a lot of people put their way through school, pay the bills, you name it. And mm-hmm. for me, I was very fortunate enough to have uh, an, like 75% academic scholarship, but that 25% that I didn't have that I needed to pay for that came out of my, my own pocket. So like, you talk about the hustler mentality, waiting tables, bartending, like what I would do to put myself through school is work uh, two to three jobs in the summer, 80 hour work weeks to save up enough money to pay for that 25% tuition, as well as having enough money to put myself like to carry me over through the year until the next summer. And then it's right back to hustle and grind. And then I work 80 hour work weeks, two to three jobs to save up money to then pay for school again in the next year. And the cycle continued. So like, I totally get that. And it's funny. And are, are you living on campus at the time or are yeah. you living oh, yeah. while, okay, okay. So that must be expensive too. Yeah. So, I mean, room and board, you name it, like all of the expenses about that go into, I went to school out of state. So I grew up in Texas, went mm. to school out of state. Um, and so all, all you can imagine like the, yeah, like housing, food, uh, the tuition, all of, all of the bills add up. Right. And, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like, just, I had to work to to save up money to then pay for school. And it's funny that you, you make the, the comparison between what you're making as a bartender to what you're making as an entry-level job in advertising. That also is true to myself. So, um, you know, it was very difficult, like post-college to understand how, like really how difficult it is to start your career in, in advertising. But like I mentioned before, the difficulty was oil and gas that is Texas and then finding that marketing advertising job. So also, I think you also mentioned this too, in a way, but like, unless you don't have just have to know somebody to get in, it's the availability of these roles. So in oil and gas, you take an oil company, they've had the same guy who was the brand director for the past 50 years. So the availability for these roles were very minimal, like the, the opportunities weren't as great as they are now. And even you touched based on Austin, which is like a new tech city now, right? Mm-hmm. So, so many opportunities in Austin when it comes to tech, media, advertising, and, and digital, social, you name it. But before it wasn't like that. Um, and then, so like I mentioned, like the, the opportunities were very minimal. Um, and I soon realized that I needed to branch out. Like I needed to go to New York or LA or somewhere else that uh, I was likely to get a job. And so for a while I was, um, had very like random jobs, mostly uh, being a waiter and a bartender. And then the same mindset of saving up enough money to pay for my tuition, I ended up saving enough money to make that move to a bigger city, which I was would be likely to get a job. So after a while, I told myself, all right, I'm just going to work for as long as I could, as long as, as much and, and long as I could to save up as much as I could to eventually just move to New York. Like I could be a waiter or a bartender in New York and then try to find that advertising job. And that was my mentality. Luckily enough, when I decided to finally make that move to New York, uh, I was able to, I had two interviews, actually, I had one interview with a tech company in Seattle, and I had another interview with an ad agency in New York at the, in the at same that, time. At that point, you haven't moved yet. You're like no, going was, into I'll, the interview. Yeah, I was back in Texas, um, okay. like doing what I needed to do to pay the bills, post-college. Um, and uh, I mean, I even had the idea to start my own consulting company or business, which eventually I did. But at the time in Texas, it was just like an idea. And it was something that I was, you know, doodling in like my notebook mm-hmm. and like trying to figure out how to come up with this, this new business. Um, and then, yeah, so before I moved to New York, and I just had that idea of moving, saving up enough money to move, um, interviewing in Seattle and New York, and then New York gave me the job and I took it uh, right, right nice. off the bat. I just took it. Um, and then it's very funny in like a matter of, of, I think it was a week or uh, it was a week. I accepted the job. And then the the next weekend I flew to New York, found an apartment, apartment hunted the next day, signed my lease the day after. And then I had Sunday to move in. And then Monday I started the job. That's wild. In a matter of a week, I just, I moved to New York. It all aligned. Yeah, finally got there three days later, or like in a matter of three days, found an apartment, signed the lease, moved in, and then day four, Monday, I started my job. 
Um, but then you realize, okay, I'm making bare bones. Like I'm making the minimal, like entry level job. And then what I was making as a bartender and waiter, so much more money than I was at the entry level job. And then you talk about like how the realization that you're going to need to be in this area or arena, right? Like you need to, you're going to fight for your job, but uh, you're going to need to take, it's going to take a long time to get to where you want to be right now. You need to do what you have to do and the grunt work and, you know, no one likes your ideas and you're mostly in Excel than you are doing anything creative, things like that, like that parallels to my story as well. So that, I just want to say that like that translates a, a lot of carries, carries over to a lot of my experience as well. That's so interesting. Um, but then even so starting my own business at my entry level job at, at the agency, I started out in TV and radio. So I was a like a, a buyer, a negotiator in TV and radio. I picked that up in like three months. Like I was, I ended up teaching more efficient ways and creating new processes for the people that have been doing buying TV and radio their whole lives. Like that, like they were the, they were the veterans at the agency buying TV and radio. Um, and I was teaching them new ways to do it in three months. So then I transitioned over to, to advertising and the digital landscape, which for those listening, is like publishers, like the advertisements you see on Google or the advertisements you see um, when you're reading a news article, you know, like the display ads in the corner, like all the, the clickable ads is what I started to, to do prioritize more of and learn and pick up in the agency. And I did a, a variety of number of mediums and social media was included, but you talk about like, un, like you gave the example of, um, it was your partner, right? Who was doing some graphic design work and you were like, you need to go to school for that. And he didn't, or they didn't. Uh, no, I mean like he didn't do it, but, um, it, we would like hire who, no no it was like one person that was working with us at the time and like he was self-thought you know yeah, yeah and yeah. um and and in my head because of the way when I worked at the agency the way it worked like the client would be like can you put the logo down to the left and then I would go to the creative director and he's like no and then I was like mm. no like I felt like such a like I was, I was, I was like, I had no knowledge of what I was supposed to. Cause you, you yeah. like you, you study in university, you study marketing, but you don't study specifically commu copywriting or graphic oh, or anything yeah. like that. So you're just kind of like wide open. So I felt like I didn't know anything and they would make it seem like this incredible science, you know, that mm -hmm. they knew what you could do and what you couldn't do graphically. Um, but my, my graphic designer was more like intuitive, you know, and in mm -hmm. the end, his work was great, but he was just self-thought. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So I came to the realization that I could be self-taught. Like mm -hmm. I was, so I was doing, I was buying in TV and radio and then I would look across the desk or across the room and I'll see the other teams, you know, doing search advertising, social media, advertising, programmatic display, you name it. And then in my free time, honestly, because the, my first job was relatively easy for me to pick up, I had a mm -hmm. lot of spare time. And so I would just go and mirror these other teams. And I'm just like, no knowledge in what they're doing, but I'm just like following them and what they're doing and picking things up and be getting self-taught in that way, just by mirroring what their work and what they're doing in other teams, right? Then eventually I, I made that swap and transitioned over to those teams to, to really started to like plan and buy in those areas um but i had a realization similar to like your the graphic design example we had a client who um just gave us like we were the, my agency was the middleman for the client and for a creative service agency so we never did actual building creatives or creating mm. anything like that had to do with advertising and any of the assets or the media we outsourced it so there was a time when we had a campaign that was going live, which I'm going to see if I can like simplify it for those listening is like just any camp, any advertising, every, any advertisement you see online and social media, there, there's a timeline to it. So let's say there was a new TV show and the new episode was launching on Friday. Well, then Friday would likely be that advertise, advertisement shown for people to tune into that episode on Friday. So this was the example, and this was a client. It was an entertainment client that was a TV show, and they had a new episode on Friday. So Friday morning, the the creative and the advertisement that you would see was like it said like tune in tonight at 6 p.m. on this TV station. There was like a typo in the asset. There was a typo in the creative, and so it was very it was very very uh, like hands on deck 
uh, fire drill situation. Like we need to fix this copy or fix the asset. The problem was the creative agency took like three to five days to respond on any, any ask. So we couldn't do that. Like we didn't have to be in real time. We needed a solution. And I just said, okay, like, I don't know Photoshop. I don't know anything about this. Let me just see if I can fix it. And I basically taught myself the minimal amount of knowledge I needed for Photoshop. I like researched it, Googled, like Googled it, try to figure out how to use Photoshop and in 30 to like 45 minutes of this being a flag from the client, I fixed the, fixed the copy. I adjusted it as it like needed to be in Photoshop, made it look like nothing, like it was brand, brand new asset. 30 to 45 minutes, I saved the file, sent it to the client, they approved it in the next 10 minutes. And then we, in a span of an hour, we fixed that asset and it was swapped and like everything was fine. But in that moment, I realized I can teach myself all of these things. And then mm-hmm. that's what I did. That's what I did for like the next month or two. And then I had enough experience, at least what I thought enough experience at the agency side and teaching myself in my own time, even outside of work, just consuming all of these knowledge, like knowledge, understanding, creative, Photoshop, planning, buying, anything that has to do with advertising, quit the job, did freelance. And I started my own two businesses as a freelance consultant and photographer and did that for a year after my entry level job in New York. That's cool. And you found clients based out of New York? Yep. Mostly? Yeah, very, very um, like small businesses, almost local. Um, a law, I landed a law firm as a client, a personal trainer, daycare, um, supply company, very like a number of different clients. You know what's, what's funny was, is that that's like how I started. That's often ideal because especially like you, you said you, you, when you've worked with big clients, like how long it could happen before an idea gets approved or accepted. And it, 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 when you work with those small clients that kind of just, oh, that's what you do, you do it. They don't even want to be involved, mm. you know? They're like, yeah. they don't even want to bother you at all. Like, I think it's hard to find the, the perfect mix. But I also find to what you were saying in the beginning, like the thing with advertise where digital really changed the game is that that traditional advertising way that used to work, like, yeah, three, five days to get back to you about something, about fixing something, like making it look like it takes hours to make a graphic. And now we're 10 years later and you're like, well, how come this 15 year old is making graphics and videos? And you know what I mean? Like it just kind of ridiculous, like kind of like all how complicated they were making it look. Um, And it changed the game because like with social media, you can't wait that long. You want to hop on something. You have to Mm -hmm. be able to create fast, um, which is also like a big challenge. Because I think like now we're we're kind of a turning point of we need to meet in the middle Mm because before things used to take really long. Then the social media culture made everything go really, really quick. And now everyone's too stressed out because it's impossible to keep up mm-hmm. this speed of, of creating content and writing copy. Like I remember we would put together billboards and like, or even just a small poster for a, a client. It would be three months of back and forth. Like now you want me to come up with 10 social media posts in a day and you don't want any typos oh, yeah. and you want them all to be funny and all to be creative. And it's, it's just, yeah. uh, we're in a completely different spot at this point. Yeah. That, I mean, that reminds me too, actually prior to, prior to New York, I had another job for like a startup, but it was very traditional media based. So like this was, I mean, I didn't know anything about advertising. It's mostly what I learned in school, trying to apply, trying to apply in the real world, but not being in the advertising agency capacity. It was mm-hmm. just like, you're our business minded, help us with our business department for this, this startup. So like that, it was a very, very small startup. Um, and, but I would, I would do like, I created their website. I started their blog, um, created their social media pages, started to kind of post um, and just build their digital presence. So that was like, actually, that's where my idea to do, to be a consultant started mm. um, when I was doing it, all of these things for this startup. Um, because I realized, I mean, I realized like I could, I'm business minded and I can just translate. If I'm doing it for them, I could do it for others. And that, that's where that idea started to, to come or like to, to stem from, um, very traditional media based though. And I'm talking, this is like pre Photoshop for me. And I was like building posters and flyers in WordPress and, or like in word, in word, Microsoft word yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and PowerPoint. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I mean, small things like 
I couldn't even like type out typography and like everything, all of the things that I, that I was doing that it didn't even realize was actually applicable and like an advertising capacity. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Like if you had given me Photoshop to to teach me while I was working in the same asset, the same creative and PowerPoint, like I would be so advanced or like it would be so easy, much easier to do. But yeah, I was doing that for a while prior to New York. And so, um, it's just very interesting though, is like you talk about the speed now too. It's, I mean, it goes back to that expression. It doesn't matter if you're right. It matters if you're first or it's better to be first than right. You know, like you have to, you just have to be first. Um, I butchered that quote, by the way, but you get the the idea. (laughs) I get it. Um, But uh, when you were in New York, so you, you quit that job and how did you go about getting those clients? I mean, it started with one. It started word of mouth. I very much was word of mouth. And so I landed the law firm first um, and then the supply company second and then everyone else like just kind of fell through. So it was, it was just word of mouth. Um, like I, what I my original idea was if I didn't take it to New York, I would have taken it local in, in Texas, like mm. similar to you. I, Cause I come from the waiter bartender background is I can advertise on social media and digital for this restaurant. And then yeah. there's a restaurant right next door that I could also do that for them. And then every, and all of these other, not like stores, restaurants, mom and pop shops, you name it. Like I could go into one block that has 10 different com- businesses and I can do it for all the 10 businesses. All I'm doing yeah. is posting on social media, helping them understand marketing and business or like advertising. And I could do that for them. So if I didn't take it to New York, I was going to do it in Texas. Or if I didn't land that job in New York, I would have done some type of consulting or started that business um, in Texas. So nice. your your example of like going like going or starting with your re- your restaurant and then like going door to door almost. I had that same idea like or that same concept. I was gonna do that for myself too. So that's why I'm saying that's so cool that you, that was your story. Like that yeah. was gonna be mine. That is idea <laughs> that I had too is so cool. Um, so yeah. So how's the agency doing? Well, so now I mean after ten years. Um... I, I kind of had a, a good look at how things were going and uh, uh, I decided to completely shift uh, into like having an office with 15 full-time employees to um, going completely remotely, but really focus on consulting and strategy. So I don't really want to manage staff anymore. It got to a point where I was like, I've done this, but I felt like I was a social media school. Like I was like training people. And again, it's like the it's funny because I have a little sister who is working in social media and it's funny because to see her experience 10 years later of looking for a job versus mine, it's a joke. Like she gets five <laughs> opportunities a week oh, of, yeah. of places. And to be honest, like she's learning, like she's very, very beginner, you know, versus like, so I have staff that I'm like training them to be, to understand ads, to understand how to educate the client, to understand design, to understand I'm giving them a full course. And then another company comes and steal my staff from me from after three months. Like it became a point where I was like, this is not that, that fun anymore. And I'm, I'm in a point in my career that I want to work with people who are professionals in their field, because that's when I have the most fun. Like during um, my time at the agency, there's one point where I created commercials for my agency. And I always look back, I was like, wow, that was my favorite project. And I like created that myself. Like I hired um, a filmographer and a, a director and we really like I scripted it but then they helped me make it better and then like we, I had such a blast doing it and I was like oh this is what it's like to work with people who I'm not teaching them how to do what they're supposed to be doing and that's kind of the thing that for me as a business owner it got to a point where it's like oh, I'm bored with teaching people like I would love to teach in university or teach and, and teach educate classes but when you have clients and the clients are expecting things and then you're constantly in training mode, it's exhausting. So, uh, so uh, we went from having 25 clients um, to really just keeping it all really small and keeping clients for whom we could do work uh, remotely, that it makes sense. And then at this point, I'm kind of trying to figure out, okay, like, so I do run some influencer campaigns. Oops. I, um, Jeez, the phone keeps on. Uh, I run some influencer campaigns. I uh, I manage two, three clients. 
Uh, but at this point, I'm kind of figuring out what I wanted to do next, whether I want to put out a course, whether I want to go in a completely different creative field. So that's kind of where I'm at. So the businesses now are more towards consulting and strategy at this point. Got it, got it, got it. All right. I have one more question about you and the agency. And then I want to dive into back into your current athletic story, if you will. Oh, uh, sure. fitness story. So, but I want to say, yeah, a, a part of the job too, it was, is so educational, um, which is something that like, like I just wouldn't have expected that I'd be the person teaching someone else social media, you know? Um, it's very interesting. Like even, so when I was, when I, when I quit my job and did, uh, and did freelance or like worked as a consultant, uh, did that for about a year. It was great. Like business was great. It was such a great experience. And then I had the opportunity to be the, like the go-to guy for social media for a PR company, which was great because PR is all communications. And then my specialty was in social media advertising, digital advertising. So they brought me in as the expert in that one area in this massive PR company. And then that's that. So that was a great opportunity for me to do that. So I went back to the almost agency firm side um, and worked for a PR company um, as their point person for all things social media and advertising. Then eventually just stayed on the agency side for a while. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was very educational, though. Like it was teaching communications people that, you know, did PR what social media advertising was, what paid advertising was, and a lot of it was very educational. Um, but I've always like been at the forefront of trying to be as creative as possible. Um, so creating assets or storytelling and narratives and things like that. Um, so I was able to like kind of, I had a little flexibility into my roles because I was the expert. And so I kind of had, I could kind of pick my tasks accordingly. Um, which ties me into the question for you is, um do, are you a creator yourself like a photographer like creative director like do you do wear that creative hat yeah I mean I do everything which I think is the most challenging part of this point in my life is figuring mm -hmm. out what it is that I want to do all the time because I like all of it so it's it's a, like one thing that I know like for instance like managing staff I I really don't like doing that kind of stuff you know but in terms of speaking to a client of a strategic plan. And, and like I said, like I started with local restaurants and stuff, but like that was for four years. And after I started working with BRP, Under Armour, um, HelloFresh, like, and it was really interesting to see that like the smaller guys, for them, social media was like poor man's marketing. So it was like their only thing. Whereas the bigger guys really saw marketing as like traditional and then they were trying to bring traditional social so you had to like educate them that like social is super different from traditional marketing like it has to be social um so it, again like in my head every part of that job was created like creative in terms of like creating the processes of how do you go about being creative so yes I've been I've been the art director the creative director I've put mood boards together I do photography a ton, you know, like I, I really enjoy it. Like I, I, I think I have the eye, but I don't like to call myself photographer because then it's like I do so many different things, um, and and sometimes, well, that right. So it's like it, it, it's like I definitely get it, and it, it's funny because I would be on shoots with photographers, and I'd be like, hire, get it, hire from hire, like with food and stuff, and then at, at one point they would get, and they're like, fuck, like you really see it like in your head what you want, which I think is a good skill to have in what I do, but. It's interesting because exactly like I enjoy the copywriting. I enjoy every part of what service I was offering, but I also enjoy being the business owner, thinking of new business ideas and this and that. So at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what direction is pulling me the most. So in the meantime, I'm just kind of doing, I, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, okay, let's do what drives me. So sometimes I'll do like a blog post, like I'll do photography. Like I just find like, when I'm being creative, it fuels my creativity and everything. It just kind of like opens up all the doors and options. So yes, I, I'm a, I'd say my main thing is that I'm an all around creative. So I can have business ideas, just like I can have reels and photography or whatever, you know? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Again, I, I think I would look at myself with that lens too, like a, a well-rounded creator, marketer, mm -hmm. um, if you had to categorize it as like a Swiss army knife, like you can do a lot of different things and do them well. Um, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. All right. Tying it all back into fitness now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so walk me through your your story as like a runner, as an athlete now, e- even working with brands. I know you mentioned running, cycling, yoga are all passions of yours. Just like share your interest in them. Like, what do you like most about running, working with brands? Yeah, I I think, um, again, it's, it's interesting because people always ask me like how to build social media and this and that. And I don't think there's like a secret, but I do find like when you end up kind of finding a niche, it just kind of aligns. And I didn't do it on purpose. The sports things was just naturally something that was part of my life. So I would share it. But then I ended up being like the only one who would do that because everyone was a fashion creator. Like if I think like at the time or, you know, it was, it wasn't really in that realm. So whenever people would think, Oh, who posts about training and sports Ariane. So then I was getting approached by all kinds of gyms to be an ambassador, um, all, uh, all kinds of brands. Uh, Under Armour approached me uh, seven years ago now where I didn't even have wow. that many followers at all. Like they was just, like they like the consistency of my content. And the first time they were like, Oh, do you want to test out some product? And I was like, what? Like, sure. Um, and it started from that. And I said, yes. And then one month later, it's like, Oh, you want to come to New York for this uh, launch? I was like six. So I had my first press trip, like within one month of working with them. Uh, then for one year I was like, it was kind of a, just a gifting kind of campaign style where they would send me products. I would say how I feel about it. And then I could post if I wanted to. Um, and then it became an official brand ambassador job uh, about two years in after that. Um, and it's been a really cool opportunity because you get to meet all these other athletes, be invited to events. But I'm actually out of 14 ambassadors. I'm the only one who's not a trainer. Mm. So, so they kind of like the aspect that it's more of a lifestyle relatable angle. And I think that's kind of what's kept being good for me because I think a lot of people like I speak to my sister or other like professionals they don't mind following trainers but sometimes they're just like yeah but you're a trainer that's your whole life is meal prepping and this and that and I think that when they kind of see someone who has a lifestyle that's more similar to theirs that like eats a ton of pasta and like whatever they they're just like oh okay like this is something that makes sense for me you know and they know I'm an entrepreneur and it's not what I do for for work so um I think I kind of created that relatable. And then at the same time, it's been so easy for me to create content around sports because you're, I'm already doing it, you know? So every ambassador um, client that I've, I've received or that I've been an influencer for, it's like, oh, cool, I'm naturally doing this stuff. It's easy for me to incorporate the clothes or uh, into uh, my journey. And then in terms of creating content, like it's all experimental. Like what's what I love about owning an agency is that you're given a brief from the brand and then you understand the voice the tone you know where the brand is going and then you're like okay this is how you tell the story from a brand perspective but then what's fun about it being an influencer is this is like this is just my point of view but and then you gotta have fun with it and it, it's just very light and very creative freedom um which i which i really really enjoy so it's kind of like oh this is from my angle as an influencer or athlete entrepreneur whatever like this is what how I would do it um so that's what's been really interesting and yeah it's just kind of aligns it's funny because it kind of like puts pressure on when you're not working out you're like oh my god I'm gonna lose no one's gonna want to work with me anymore I haven't worked out in three days you know um but at the same time it's like well if if having these this kind of pressure is keeping me healthy then maybe it's not such a bad thing you know what I mean it's not like I'm sponsored by a a cigarette brand or something and I'm like gotta (laughs) keep this up (laughs) oh man yeah no it's it's a healthy apply a a healthy amount of pressure or like applied pressure in a positive way like it keeps you going you know what I mean it's the incentive to to do yeah and it's like my two things that I love like on, on days for instance that I'm like not super motivated I'm like you know what, I'm going to go to this hike trail here in LA and I'm going to try to create some content. And then I come up with a workout. It kind of becomes like a hobby. Like, I don't know. I, I'm sure you're the same. Like when you're an all around creative, like I'm never bored. Like I, I don't, like people always say like, oh, on the weekend, I don't know what to do. Like I speak to my sister. I can, I'm like, well, find some hobbies, do this, do that. Like for me, like I'll have an idea and then it'll take me like five hours to put it together. And there's a big chance I'm not even going to do anything with it in the end. It was just going to be like, I want to, I like figuring stuff out. Like I, and that's, that's the realm of social media I think it's like Mm -hmm. you 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 don't really necessarily want to do it for yourself you just want to get it like how they went about doing it so so I think it all ties in with 
my fitness of like, yeah, I'm going to go film this workout. But at the same time, I'm creating photos. And at the same time, I'm doing videos. So I'm like, everything I love is incorporated into one. Yeah. Yep. I totally get that. (laughs) I think what's, what's cool. I think a lot of creators have this in common is that they're problem solvers, even entrepreneurs is like, you're, Mm -hmm. you're at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, what you're doing or how you're doing it. You're solving a problem, a solution to a problem. One thing I I think is also so relatable with you is um, I like how you look at it from the, let's say, consumer perspective, from an influencer perspective when working with these brands. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it gets lost in in translation when you don't talk to a creator, you don't talk to a marketer, and you're just talking to someone, anyone else, right? So like you get the brand objective, but like there are so many different ways that you could do it. And one thing that I think is less common is that you look at it from the consumer perspective. So the question I always ask my or myself or the client is like, would I buy this? And if I would, how, like what would give me the incentive to buy this thing or to buy into this narrative? And then as a creator, you work backwards. I think it's, again, the, the well-rounded creator, marketer, you know, mentality that I think we share is that you can tie it back into the business objective to the bottom line. But at first you look at it from the creator standpoint, the consumer standpoint, what would get you invested into this brand or product? And then you tie it back into campaign objectives for the client. I, I, that's, that's exactly how I see it. Like in terms of, like, I understand what your goal is, but the way Mm. you think of going about it, let me retrace that back to like, cause so many clients, like, they think their product is so amazing and that's all that they could see. But I'm like, from the perspective of someone who does know who you are, who doesn't care. Like I've been consulting for a rock band, which is really different oh, cool. from what I usually do. That's and fun. it's been interesting because the kind of stuff he finds cool. And I'm like, cool. But like, if I stumble on your reel and I don't never heard of you, like you, you always, you can't think of who's already following you. Like you're trying to get out there. And I think it's the same thing for, for people who don't use social that work in agencies who are doing marketing for social don't understand the user's perspective. And Mm -hmm. again, like you're going on social to be entertained for fun for this. Like, it's not like a TV commercial. It's not a, it, it, it it has to be content first, not just the point that they're trying to get across. Okay. But no one asked you, you know? (laughs) So, so I think that's, that's always an interesting way of seeing it. And, and there is by being just as much of a consumer and a creator, you understand this realm in such a different way, which has helped me a lot by being an ambassador myself. Like I've worked on influencer gigs that I thought were really poorly managed that the person didn't like do a good job at following through and making it smooth. So when I'm working with influencers, I kind of know that they want to do a good job. And if I'm not clear on my briefs and then I tell them they did wrong, that's very upsetting. Like you're, you're, it's an ego thing. Like it's what you've created. So you kind of have to be careful. And it's been cool to get to see both sides of things for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I totally get that. Dang. I, hold on. I lost my train of thought because I was going to give another example to what you were saying. One second. I'm, um, I'm curious. Do you take your pictures on, on your own or do you run with groups and you take pictures of each other? How does that work? Can't tell you that. What? Trade it's a secret. secret. Trade secret. Shit. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> um, brands, briefs. Well, creative. even like for it, it comes like for instance, a brand will approach me as an influencer and give me a brief of what they want me to say, and I because I'm a I'm an I work in advertising, I'll be able to tell them like I know you want to focus on this, 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 but I can tell you this is actually what's interesting about your product. Like, mm-hmm. like, or this is the points that like, from my perspective, you didn't even tell me to say that. I think that's more enticing than what you're telling mm-hmm. me to say, you know? Yeah. All right. So I got, I got it. This is what I was going to say Go. is that um, what I like to focus on is making the ads. Well, let's just say for social, we'll make the example with social, but advertisements, a very seamless process in the user journey. So you mentioned that when you're on social media, you're consuming content, it's engaging, but you're there for a reason. It's mostly, mm-hmm. it's to be social, right? Like yeah. that's the whole point, the, the whole point of social media. So like when you get served an ad, which I think they had a, a lot of debate around this uh, re- relatively recently is like, you're getting served an ad and you know, it's an ad. It's very sales oriented. Like you, you're getting pushed a product more or less people might not understand or like you might not understand from a consumer perspective and also something that you don't even want. So like, so what I try to focus on is um, 
even backtracking from a creative standpoint is it does this audience really want this product or this message and then i want to make it a very seamless process when you're scrolling through social media that it doesn't even look like an ad it's just in, totally. it's, in, it's engaging content it's something that you would want to learn more about you would want to see you would want to dive into and eventually probably buy or purchase something or like just to get more involved with that brand or that narrative but like when you get the, you know, or, and then, but it's tying it back into being relevant. So like, um, I don't know, I couldn't give an example, but like, if I'm a runner, I want to get, I want to know, I want to know that there's a sale for a running shoe. That is a brand that I support. Right. But, um, you know, if I, I don't want to get served like an ad for something, something, a product or service that I have no interest in, which more no, often than exactly. not always happens. Well, I think, Actually, I don't necessarily agree because I think if now, because the algorithm of social media is so great, like I got to discover so many brands I never, ever, ever would have heard of if it was just from traditional marketing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like in terms of getting things in front of me that I, I'm genuinely interested in. Of course, oh, yeah. there's the other way around where like people who are targeting me and they don't care if I want this product or not. They're just like female 30. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're yes, like, there's, that's what I don't I'm care what you yeah. want to look at this, is what I want to show you. So that, that's, that's, that's totally, what I try to hundred percent. But I think, I think it's so interesting to me because as an influencer, I get all the time, all the guidelines, all the rules. And like, we've been reading magazines for hundreds of years. And when I read a magazine, they say 10 great shoes to go for a run. It doesn't say also they paid me to say this and oh, na, yeah. na, na. like, and I think that's such it's so silly. Like now people, people are so upset that creators are making money off of social media and this and that. They don't understand that it's advertising has been like this forever. And yeah, yeah. I think it's sometimes it's a little annoying because you're trying to share something personal that just happens to be in association with the brand. But now you have to say ad like super loud in mm -hmm. front of it or else. So I don't know. I yeah. have mixed feelings about that because I, I, I just think it's funny because you read a magazine, the entire thing is an ad, but it, mm -hmm. it doesn't say that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's one thing is that what I'm trying to avoid is like, it's just the spray and pray method. Like if you just fit a category, it doesn't mean that you have an incentive or that you're engaged about this product or service or this brand. Like you can fit a criteria, but it doesn't mean that you're likely to convert or you're likely to do anything with that ad. You know what I mean? So that yeah. is what I try to avoid. Very, so then it, I guess from a strategic would, perspective. you would like build different niches and based on interest, you show a different ad like even if they're all your same target market based on interest, different people would see a mm -hmm. different ad that would be more interesting yeah, to or, them. Right. Or even consumption. So like if you, oh. if you briefly, if like, cause uh, let's say for those who don't know a video view likely on social media is categorized or defined as like watching a video for three seconds. So maybe some platforms two to three seconds, but if you have a 30 second video and you only watch, and, but that view is counted at two to three seconds that they likely just skim through that video. They didn't watch all 30 seconds of it, even 15 seconds. So mm -hmm. that person is less likely to be engaged with your brand than someone who is consuming the whole 30 seconds of the video. Mm -hmm. You see, so like that is how you would segment, how I would categorize those people as someone less likely to convert but maybe they only watch two or three seconds of a video or someone who is more engaged with your brand and they'll stay for the whole 30 seconds, 15 seconds. And some, some cases longer, they'll watch a 30 minute video. Um, mm -hmm. and those people are that you can categorize them as being very interested in your brand. Those are the people that I want to advertise to because they likely want what you're giving them, what you're selling Absolutely. them, or they know what you, who you are too. But someone who categorizes as a, two to three second viewer less likely to either know anything about you or want to do anything with your brand or your product another thing i think quickly that is interesting that i've had to face a lot of times is when like the marketing team of a brand has this idea for a product like it could be like a new type of ice cream or something and they've already put a lot of money into it and now that's all they want to talk about. But with social media marketing and with ads and insights, you're able to tell really quickly if people don't care about this product, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so often they'll keep pushing money to it. And you're like, this other product that we talked about the other day, though, we put no money behind and everyone wants it. So why don't we 
shift the strategy around what people actually want instead of forcing people to want what we want to sell them. And, and I think that's, that's a big, big challenge that you see, especially with the, the big brands, because they already have invested so much in something that they don't want to, you know, understand that maybe there's less interest or focus on what people actually want to consume and what they want to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that goes back into like business models, though, and, and inventory and all those things. Like if you invest a heavy amount of like from mm-hmm. a runner's perspective or like from an athlete, if you, if you spend so much money on this new shoe and then you advertise it and no one wants this shoe, you have no choice but to push it to hopefully sell the shoe. But like the other shoe that you had last year, that one is selling more and you want to push it to there, but you can't. Because you have mm-hmm. all the inventory, you yeah. have the product in, already. In that you case, have you don't have no it. choice. Yeah. So I think that happens a lot. Is that you? Th- that makes sense. Companies think of, oh, this is going to be a great new product, and then come to find out it's really not. But you have no choice but to continue to sell it to get that bottom line, or like to break even. Even some in some mm-hmm. cases, you have to bite the bullet and you know, like totally. your and then the negatives. But yeah, I get that. I do get that. <laughs> Want to tie back into running? Do you have any current running goals? Um, any races coming up? Any challenges? Anything that you do now as a runner, as an athlete? Anything coming up? Um, I, that's what I was asking you about the group because I'm, I'm I've always been a solo runner because what okay. exactly what I like about running is being able to say like I'm going now. You know, I could pick it up. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be at a certain time or anything. But I'm thinking in LA, I would be down to perhaps uh, join some kind of uh, running crew. But okay. in terms of goals right now, I'm, I'm focused on like getting a good time for my, my 10K. But I, I've decided to not put too much pressure on that. Because at one point, I was always running 5Ks and I was trying to do my best time every time. And someone told me, they're like, do you like running? You're going to stop liking running if that's how you think. Because uh, then after yeah. the two first kilometers, I'm like, oh, I didn't make my time. Fuck this. This is a waste now, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I kind of decided to chill and just you know, enjoy it. And it's been a different thing too, because I'm used to running in Montreal, like, sure, it's, it's cold or whatever, but it's pretty, uh, you know, straight versus here it's hills. Every I'm oh, always yeah. in elevation. <laughs> so it, it's been a completely different adaptation. Like my every run I do, my time is so freaking different. So I think that right now I'm just kind of getting back into the landscape of things. Uh, and who knows, maybe I'd end up joining some kind of 10k race or something while i'm out here but uh i do find that joining different communities while uh traveling is a good way uh, you know yeah. to get to know people and enjoy yeah. the place i'll definitely i'll give you some recommendations on some crews out there for sure no that'd be sick have you are you a marathoner have you ran a marathon never no interesting interesting no why not like out of curiosity any interest any interest to run one or no i've done a half marathon no, uh, yeah, I've done a half marathon once actually, uh, okay. but it was for a brand asked me to do it. Um, and I did enjoy it and I trained for it. Again, I think that a thing for me is I am a competitive person at heart, um, but I'm trying to make, I don't know, at this point in my life, like sports, I'm doing it for fun. I don't want it to become something that feels like work, um, even though I do enjoy pushing myself and I like that whole part of it. Uh, when I, I, wanted to do a program at one point and I was like again it made me just start overthinking it too much to the point where I was like oh this is the thing I'm doing for fun now it's becoming kind of stressful and whatnot um so for me it's really a, men- a mental health kind of thing for me to to run and just be loose for a while the LA marathon is coming up if you have any right. interest in running the LA marathon that's coming up that do could it, be a do it for fun. Big challenge <laughs> do it for fun do it for fun yeah cool all right well this has been great yeah that was so fun Uh, i feel like we can go on to be honest yeah um yeah so great getting to know you and chatting with you thank you for your time stay tuned more to come as always stay for the stories